Well, you can't look at James and not think about taming the tongue, right? I was thinking, though, not only about the tongue, but about modes of communication. And the way that those have increased so exponentially as technology has advanced. I remember our kids, Elijah's less than a month away from turning 12, and I can remember with him how nearly everything could be considered a phone if it was the right size. He had no, he had no inclination that a phone, like that one back there, needed to be connected to the wall. Right? A phone was just a, a, a rectangle. While James and his hearers would be amazed by email and text messaging and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok and all the rest of them, the message we'll consider this morning still remains. And that is that our words matter. That the impact that our our words have, I guess probably written or spoken, is undeniable. I was thinking about the significance of various words at certain points of our lives. The first word of a baby, celebrated, noted, even recorded sometimes in baby books. The last words uttered by a loved one or a family member are cherished, remembered, Words have been used to motivate crowds of people to action, even revolution. Words have also had negative effects in terms of instilling or stoking the fires of hate in people. Even at a wedding. Think of the significance of words at a wedding as two people enter a room, a man and a woman as single folk, and they exit as a married couple. Why? In part, due to the promises that they speak to one another. Words matter. They are so significant that James devotes the first 12 verses of the third chapter of his epistle to the topic of our words. James 3, beginning in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. 
For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. There's a story of a woman who lived in a village who was known to maliciously gossip about another particular lady and her family in the same village. One day she found out that all that she thought and all that she had been spreading about this other lady and family was wrong and she felt badly and had a change of heart about what she had done. And she went to the village's wise man and asked how she could take back all of the wrong that she had done. And the wise man told her to go home and pluck the feathers of a chicken and put them in a bag. After this, she was to come back and see the wise man again. But on the way back, she was to scatter all of the feathers that she had plucked. The lady did as she was told, and when she got back to the man, he said to her, Now go back and pick up all the feathers that have been scattered. And she said, Well, by now the, the wind has carried all of these feathers throughout the whole village. And the man told her, And it is that way with careless words. They are like feathers that are blown around and cannot be retrieved. Often, this is the application given for James's teaching on the tongue. And I don't think it's a, it's a bad one. It, it basically boils down to the old saying, here's another one for you, Jonah, right? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, and then add it to the addendum. And don't put it on Facebook either, right? Sometimes the idea being that less is more, right? And, and, and sometimes we, we can really be tempted to, to simplify James' teaching to mean that the goal is, uh, well, well don't, don't cuss people out. Huh? Don't say mean things. Don't say ugly things. Don't say bad things. But I think, I think if we look at James's examples, that taming the tongue is, is more than that. I want to go back here and read verses 3 and 4. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Look at the ships. Though they are large and are driven by strong wind, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Uh, 
bits in the mouth of a horse, a rudder of a ship. In comparison, that which they control, a large horse, a large ship, is so small, the bit and the rudder. But think of what a horse and a ship are able to accomplish when steered, when guided, when tamed, and how significant these small instruments are. I wonder if James is wanting us to consider something similar in relation to our words. Now, if we take it a step further, if it is just, if it is just holding back, if it is just uh, avoiding the negative, that, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, I think his example would be the reins of a horse and the anchor of a ship. That, those are the instruments used in those, uh, for, for those two uh, uh, creatures to rein in, to contain, to hold back the reins and the anchor. That is not what he uses as his analogy. He uses the bit and the rudder. That which is used to give direction and to accomplish the purpose for which it was created. So I think that taming the tongue in the, in the mind of James is much more than simply not saying those things we shouldn't say, unfortunately. <laughs> in some ways, that's the easy part of taming the tongue, although I would certainly not stand before you and pretend like I don't say things I shouldn't say. Jonah and I were in line at a Burger King yesterday. And I was commenting on the, 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 the slow progress that was being made. I said something. It was wrong. It was... I, these... Boy, here's confession. I said, these idiots. Ooh. And Jonah's... <gasps> I thought, whoops. And here I'm going to preach tomorrow about taming the tongue. Right? Well, James says, we can't do it on our own. Hmm? We can't do it on our own. And, and more than just not saying things that we shouldn't, a tamed tongue is one that is used to achieve its created purpose. Like the horse and the ship. Not just things we shouldn't say, but instead utilized for its created purpose. James says what that is in verse 8 is to praise the Lord. And then he says that it's, it's similar to fresh water. Well, what's, what's the purpose of, of fresh water? To refresh? To renew? To give life. We had an issue at our house a couple of weeks ago where our water, our water all of a sudden from the refrigerator and our kitchen sink had a distinct taste of salt in it. And we uh, assumed and were correct that there was an issue with the water softener. 
as refreshing as life, as refreshing as fresh water can be, there is hardly anything so revolting as water that doesn't taste right. right? You take that drink, bleh. It's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not providing the refreshment and the nourishment that it's supposed to. And James is saying for our words, as those who follow the way of Christ, that our words are meant to bring refreshment and renewal and, and give life because words matter. And there is a world and maybe even some of us that are dying for a life-giving word. Our words may be, may be our, that element of our life that has the most potential both for good and bad. And it can be easy for us sometimes just to, well, let's take the safe route and just not say anything, right? But think, think of what a glass of clear, clean water can provide to someone who is thirsty. James is saying in some ways, that is the potential. That is the potential we have in the words that we say. The impact may be more than you or I could ever imagine. Our words just may be abundantly transformative in the life of another person. According to James, though, I don't know if it's hopeful or, or not, but it's honest. James says the business of taming the tongue to accomplish its purpose is as hard as it gets. And probably not one of us will disagree with that. We'll slip up on the journey. We'll call the poor folk at, who work at Burger King idiots the day before you preach about taming the tongue, right? But we got to keep going. We got to keep going, recommitting ourselves to allowing the Spirit of God to transform us, to think through the opportunities that we may have to speak words of life, allowing our words to be fresh refreshing springs in a world that is all too often a desert of criticism and condemnation. Oh God, may we take to heart the challenge issued in James' epistle. Who knows how many millions of words we each have spoken over the span of our lives. May we recommit ourselves to speak words of hope and life and refreshment to the people around us. Maybe, maybe that's the greatest challenge. Those folk who we have the most contact with, those folk who we think, oh, they'll know how I feel, <laughs> or we fail to realize how important it is to talk to each other in this way, Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe the first step is to quit saying things we shouldn't. Certainly true of me. Thank you for your love for us, your patience with us. May we allow you to continue the task of taming our tongue.
in Christ's name we pray. Amen.